This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Holy cow, we got a great show for you today. So, today is uh, media day for BYU sports and football, especially, I guess, today. And guess who's going to be in the show? Bronco Mendenhall, head football coach of BYU football. And, honestly, the true star, not Bronco, his wife, Holly. Holly Mendenhall will be joining us as well. It's the Bronco and Holly show, and uh, we're going to pick their brain. It's one of my favorite days. We get to do this every year, and luckily, I get the great opportunity to sit down with Bronco and Holly for you know 30 or 40 minutes and just pick their brain. Like, what do you want to know from a Division I football coach with a record of about 90 wins and 39 losses? What do you want to know, for heaven's sakes? You know, tweet us. At Dr. Matt Show, any questions you have, I'll ask them for you. At Dr. Matt Show, tweet us. We'll get the questions out there. Great show, though. Uh, It really is pretty fascinating. They're uh, incredibly, um, obviously, important people in you know the football world of of and life. But when you get to know them personally, they uh, they're just solid and. They love each other, and they love their family, and they're very private, but um, have some some very, very interesting, I think, insights that you're going to want to hear. The interesting thing about our interview, we're hardly going to talk about any football, no football, because you know, you're going to hear that from every other show. On this show, we want to hear what are the keys to success and uh, see if we can't pick their brain with Holly and Bronco Mendenhall coming up. Uh, also, just some interesting news. Um, again, I, always, I don't ever want to step on... Um, on Kathy's toes when we're talking about news. But uh, apparently one of the criminals that re- that escaped from prison in New York, one of those, you know, runners, he may have run without his shoes. So somebody knocked on the doors in the cabin. One guy ended up running out the back door. But whoever uh, was in there, and they actually have DNA evidence now that they were in there, left their boots. So one may be running without his boots. <laughs> Now that's going to slow you down. That's going to that's it's all it's all fun and games. It's one thing to run away, but it's another thing to run without boots. So uh, anyway, that may also mean that uh, they're on the scene and they're and they're slowly uh, getting closer and closer. Hey, another interesting thing. Uh, I had a, a weird little moment with one of my clients yesterday, um, and it, I it's I think it's super important when we have Bronco coming in. Um, I, I'm going to probably ask him about it, uh, but. It's kind of the idea that you can't counterfeit because I, I this this is a client that has he's just been full of lies and it's kind of like they've all caught up with him. But one of the lies was he started uh, taking steroids years ago and he is now to a point where he he really can't can't stop. He can't stop doing steroids because apparently he he says his doctor says his, you know his body just won't make testosterone anymore. So he's now in this weird position where he has to stop because his wife doesn't trust him and doesn't like how he is when he's on these drugs, but he also can't stop. So he's now in this weird position where he's got to decide. 
Do I want this illusion of this body and this I, and this man that I am that I've been you know f- you know faking with chemicals, or do I want to let that fall and keep my family and my and my you know my wife my marriage? Anyway, I want to get uh, I want to get an answer from a pro on uh, making the tough decisions, and so we'll be asking that a little bit later to Holly and Bronco. But before we go there and bring on Holly and Bronco. Let's first get to our headlines with Kathy Aiken. Good morning, Matt. At least one Thunderstorms have left hundreds of thousands of people without power this morning, most of those in New Jersey. Last night in Philadelphia, commuter trains were halted for a time during rush hour, and several of the nation's busiest airports had to cancel flights. Tornado warnings have been issued in several states. The Confederate flag debate continues on after the massacre last week in South Carolina. State senators voted yesterday to debate later this summer whether or not to remove the flag from state property. Governor Nikki Haley has already called for its removal. So has South Carolina. Carolina Senator and GOP presidential candidate Lindsey Graham. The State House is taking up what will be an historic moment in South Carolina. We have to get this right. If we fail, then it will haunt us for decades to come. I believe we will move forward, not perfect, but forward. Many of the nation's top retailers joined Walmart by announcing they'll no longer sell items with the flag's image, like Target, Amazon, Sears, and eBay. Meanwhile, the body of the slain pastor and state senator, Clemena Pinckney, will lie in state today at South Carolina's capital. Officials say the gun bought by the, the alleged killer, Dylan Roof, was purchased at a gun store not far from his home. Law enforcement saying the transaction was legal, even though there was a pending drug charge against him. Johar Sarnayev will have a chance to speak in court this morning before his formal sentencing for his role in the Boston Marathon bombings two years ago. He will be sentenced to death since that was the verdict of the jury. Up to 20 of the victims will have the chance to address the killer before he's taken away to federal prisons, death row. Three musicians from Sacramento, California, were stabbed Sunday for apparently wearing skinny jeans. The man who attacked the men called them anti-gay slurs for wearing the jeans, and the assault has now been reclassified as a hate crime. And Matt, believe it or not, Queen Elizabeth II may be looking for a new home. What? At least while Buckingham Palace is under repair. We have a house in our neighborhood. <laughs> I know. Give her a call. She may Can you move. imagine the queen moving next door? So this, the building, the uh, palace has not been updated since the queen was crowned in 1952. So apparently there's a lot to do. Uh-huh. And if they're done at the same time, it would be the longest stretch. She's been out of the palace since really? World War II. Well, did, didn't the palace burn down? Part, part of it. So they just moved her to the other side of the palace. I, pro- yeah, I guess so. It's don't, so large. You wow. know, I'm sure she don't didn't miss a that? beat. But, you know, she won't, I'm sure, be put out too much because the Windsor Castle is mm-hmm. just 25 miles I know. away. I've so, been there. You know, luxuries that none of us will ever, no. ever know. You know what she needs to do is borrow, like, Taylor Swift's bus. <laughs> Couldn't you see the queen getting That's on big, a bus? Yeah. That's big. That's pretty big. That's yeah. like Windsor Castle. Yeah. Isn't quite. that, uh, you know, how old is she again? She's like She's, 90. Yeah. Yeah. Close to that. Yeah. It's hard to when you're 90 to have to change have to places. Yeah, you know, when you have to move from <laughs> I don't know 50,000 square feet to I don't know, 30. I, mean, I don't know. I don't know that I'd do it. Yeah. That's I would just why do we need to remodel? I don't know. I, I mean it's the queen say, for let her go. Wait till she passes away before doing all that. That's right. Yeah. Remodel for really the younger rough, generation. Though. Can you imagine that the the repairs could be up to two hundred and thirty six million dollars just for the repairs? <sighs> See, the Brits must be thinking uh, is all this worth, worth it? Worth it, yes. Because it's a lot of money to keep, but it's also so historical. Yep. You got to redo the building anyway, right? But you know, then you got to move the queen. 
and you don't want to move her and you break her. <laughs> we uh, I don't, don't know, want to put her out. I've met uh, the wax uh, museum version of the Queen in London. Good look alike. Totally. I've never seen the real Queen, but the wax Queen looks great. A little glisten on her cheeks, but I think that's just paraffin. <laughs> It's just a little wax problem, but uh, she. Well, maybe they could put a little, you know, yeah, it was makeup the, on to take that You know, that it was away. the weirdest. Here's the ultimate irony of the Queen. I went to to London. I've been twice with my family, and we were at Madame Tussauds. I think it's called Wax Madame Tussaud or Tussaud Tussaud. Wax Museum in the Queen Room or the Royal Room. I can't remember what they call it. And the Queen's standing there in all her glory with her prince. By the way, very big wax ears. And um, all this, all this beautiful, uh, you know, regalia, all this stuff's going on. And I'm sitting there just enjoying the moment. And out of nowhere, a guy starts stomping his foot next to us and swearing. He's like swearing. For? In front of the queen. I'm thinking, whoa, whoa. you don't swear in front of the wax queen. <laughs> going off. And he actually ended up stomping his foot on my mother-in-law's foot. And we're like, we pushed the guy away. And we're like, what the heck? What was he saying? Ready to crush the guy. Because, you know, when don't mess with my women. I go <laughs> off on you. <laughs> yeah. Don't mess with my mother-in-law. <laughs> and um, all of a sudden, his wife steps in and says, sorry, he has Tourette's. Oh. He has Tourette's. And all of a sudden, oh, we loved that's him. that's hard. And like, ah, yeah. do, do what you got to do to my mom. Don't worry about it. Just Don't worry about it. it. Break her toe. But it was the most instantaneous, and it was all in front of the queen. And so anytime I think of the queen, I think of this immediate change I had when I was ready to kill somebody and instantly all I needed was a little bit more information and I love the guy. Uh And then Tourette's is tough. It's horrible. It's a tough one, yeah. But you know, so the queen can take pretty much anything. If she can take a guy with Tourette's swearing in front of her wax statue, then she can take moving. She's a tough woman. Not a big deal. Well, Kathy, thanks. Uh, I don't know if you heard Bronco Mendenhall's coming. Holly and Bronco, they're coming, folks. Stick with us because uh, you're not going to want to miss this interview. Um, every time we have Bronco on, for us, it's just a great it's a great benefit because he's he today he's going to have I don't know twenty interviews probably at least dozens and dozens of reporters are in uh, at BYU Broadcasting today. It's BYU Media Day, Sports Media Day, and what's happening is all of these people converge. To pick uh, the coaches' brains, the athletes' brains, and what we're going to try to do, we're going to sneak him in and uh, spend you know some time with him, asking him anything. If you have a question, tweet us at Dr. Matt Show. I'd love to ask the question for you. What questions do you have for Bronco Mendenhall? We're not talking sports on this show with him. I want to know about his life. I want to know about his his incredible wife Holly and find out uh, what makes life tick for them, what's going on when they're not thinking football or talking football. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back with Bronco and Holly Mendenhall right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, 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 this is my favorite day of the year, quite honestly, and I am so honored and appreciative of the Mendenhalls because they they get a million interview requests, but they're willing to come on the show, and this is the third time. Holly's here. Bronco's here. Holly, let's just be real, and Bronco even made it very clear today. Uh, Holly is the real reason we want to talk to Bronco. 
It's the only reason. A lot of special. But it really, uh, again, Holly, it used to be Johnston from Missoula, Montana. Yes. And now I'm being told, Holly, from Bronco, uh, you're the reason you got the best seat in the studio because you're <laughs> I'm the reason. over here in the corner. And yeah, hey, we are. We did. We just there? pushed poor Bronco yeah. away to the corner. I like it like this. But uh, Bronco, what's it like? Because this is the first time Holly's been here. We've got her on the phone two times, but one time I think you were riding horses in Montana, and another time we lost you somewhere in the middle of the interview. I don't know yeah. if you remember that. Yeah. What's it like having her here? Well, so first of all, Holly's really independent. So, yeah, I can do all this football stuff, but her life is not going to stop. No. She's going off to do stuff. That's what I was asking. Her. What are you going to do? Are you going to follow Bronco? And she's like, no, i got to go run some carpools. I've got stuff to do. And usually there is no asking. Just it's telling. I'm, I'm going to go off to France <laughs> while you do this interview or I'm going to Montana. Or... But how cool that you're that independent because, like, some wives are, might just want to or feel a need to always be here and supportive. And you are supportive, but you also want your kids to live. Well, I think my mom raised me that way. Cool. You know, I think my parents raised me to be independent. I think if you want to be in the coaching profession, you have to be an independent person. Mm-hmm. But it's a struggle, you know, because you want to be with him yeah. and all of that. But you have to – I have to do my own thing. I can't wait for him. Well, he's he's busy. Yeah. So he's got one month with you right, right. now, I guess. Right. And then – Well, not even a month. Yeah, July to August 7th. Everything begins. Well, yours begins, I'm sure, before that, Bronco. Well, actually, this interview is the beginning of the season, basically. So oh, for you, it is, huh? Yeah, I mean, we have mixed feelings. Nothing personal, but <laughs> no, it's media day kickoff, so you it get is. all yeah. You know, Everyone's oh, excited rah, 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 and jazzed, football. and then we have a month off to go play, and then and then the it, chaos really uh-huh. begins. Yeah, and then he's gone. But uh, you didn't know you wanted to. You really had to think if you wanted to marry a coach because he was <laughs> he was coaching for who when you saw him in the airport. Uh, Oregon State. He was coaching for Oregon State, yeah. and and you kind of rekindled an old friendship, and it started. You, but you had to actually make an intentional thought. Do I really want to marry a coach? Oh, I had a lot of. Well, I had one of my really good college friends. Yeah, was in coaching, and she warned me and told me a lot of things about it. But how do you really know until <laughs> you, don't you live know. it? Yeah, uh-huh. you just have to. Jump well, and in. did you ever think this? Like, oh my word, no. I was thinking as I said that country, in a rude way. I pointed to Bronk like this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I took it that way, which is, yeah. Are you offended, bro? No, no. I used to be like 11 years ago, but now I'm not <laughs> yeah, offendable. You're, you're totally numb, <laughs> aren't you? But you never thought, I mean, BYU, one of the top programs in the country, one of the best winningest coaches, incredible guy, but and gets nitpicked. Oh, Bronco gets nitpicked <laughs> by the fans. No, I had no idea. I mean, we were at the University of New Mexico. We were at Louisiana Tech. And I was excited to get to New Mexico because that was going west. And then mm-hmm. the chance to go to BYU was yeah. even greater because it was closer to Montana. There that you was go. My You're goal. getting home. I'm getting Eventually closer. we'll get to Montana. It was, a, it was a car drive away, you know, <laughs> one segment on the yeah. plane. So to me, that was all I was thinking about. I, I didn't go to school here. Yeah. You know, so I didn't have the, the roots and ties to BYU. I ne- and I never thought – and he was going to be a coordinator. I never thought he was going to be the – Head coach. Oh, yeah, the head coaching thing. I didn't know we were going What was that road. like? Because you get called in. Who called you – who gave you this job? Because it's, it's, it's affiliated with the LDS Church and BYU. So a lot of times they call that a calling where you get – it's a church assignment, not just a job. So who called you in, Bronco? Who made the call? Um, President Irene. Did he really? Um, yeah. So one of the leaders of the LDS Church. Yeah. So I, I uh, man, there was kind of this discreet location. I didn't even know where I was going or who I was going to meet with, which <laughs> added to the anxiety. And then yeah. we knock on the door, and, and President Iring inter- interviews me to be BYU's football coach, which holy is a holy. Cow. That was it. It was holy cow. And, yeah. And so then back to your point of yeah, um, by intent, uh, 
treating the job as a calling is absolutely appropriate. By mm-hmm. pay, it absolutely is. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, that doesn't no, jive. So somewhere along the line, you have to reconcile why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. For what reason? And then the whole professional part has to kind of be added on after yeah. until it comes to results. Then it flips. Oh. Professionally, you absolutely have to have the results. Right, right. And if you don't have that, then no one really cares how you're going about it. So and that's so, an interesting balance because you do see this as a mission. You're trying to change boys' lives and also espouse the beliefs of the church. And paradoxically, you got to win. Exactly right. And yet you, the funny thing about it is you do win. You've got, what, 10, uh, 10 straight bowl appearances and whatever your record, six and four, whatever in the bowls, that, and a 90 and whatever, 39 record winning. You're a winner, and yet you still can't please everybody. Well, at one time, uh, I was looking for solace in how to handle all that, and um, there was a great quote by one of our leaders, and it just simply said, pleasing everyone is not possible, hmm. nor should it be your goal. Ultimately, as a leader, uh, leaders are lonely. It's a lonely position. But if you're at peace with what you're doing and why, then you just kind of endure the rest for those that don't see it. And we really, Holly and I are, as much as I don't like to say this, we're really in the entertainment business, meaning Mm -hmm. we are a topic to be talked about. Yeah, yeah. And that's just part of it. And if you really take that personal, man, that leads to a pretty rough existence. So Holly does a fantastic job. Our home is a sanctuary, yeah. and I can't wait to get there because football is really not part of our home. So you just get on your Harley. You still drive it to work? <laughs> uh, on occasion. When the battery works. Yeah. <laughs> Holly's been ruining the battery. Right <laughs> Do you like him on the Harley? No, I don't. I, my wife I mean, would he, kill he, me. He loves it. I to call him and say it's this midlife crisis. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. He yeah. has to go through the Harley. Better that than something else. <laughs> yeah, true. But he always says, let's go on a ride. I just, I don't I don't like it. But my mm-hmm. dad was a was a physician growing up. Yeah. So That's he didn't do traveling. I know. And he didn't do motorcycles. That is my wife. Holy, yeah. it's the worst. Because yeah. yeah. and you can't fly in my family. You can't be a pilot. So it's oh, like oh, I guess oh, I'll oh. just walk. Yeah, <laughs> I'll walk. But even when I walk, I'll trip or something, and she'll just be like, "See, it's useless." Um, you, you, Holly, what do you do? Do you read this stuff? Do you hear oh, the stories? Not. Do you just stay out of it? I do, but the difference with me is the neighbor will say, "How are you doing?" <laughs> they get that like, furrowed okay, brow. Okay, so yeah, I probably didn't need to read anything because you just told you me. You just told me it that must there's be a, bad. There's, yeah, something's Tension. going on out there. Yeah, but we don't read. No, we don't listen to talk radio. We don't read the newspaper. So good. We That's do so ab- smart. I mean, seriously, absolutely nothing. We don't. We just don't. But the sanctuary. That. That's pretty neat to have a husband say he can hardly wait to get home. I mean, that's not always. Well, I really want our home to be a place for him and for our boys that. It's anything. Any, you know, yeah. you can come home and be and, and you, anything goes. That's something I think that really says a lot about you, Holly. You don't, you don't just have a, a jock house with a bunch of jock boys just doing jock things. I oh, I it. hope it's exactly opposite. You, have the, you really have an eclectic mix where you help your kids identify their gifts. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about your kids a little bit as much as you want to. But it's, you, you let them go where they are. You don't push them into sports. You don't push them really into anything. Well, except I think French that's the camp. role of a parent, right, is yeah. to find the differences in your children. Our oldest son, Cutter, is very um, cerebral, and he, um, he loves the arts. Mm-hmm. And right, we were talking on the break. He's doing uh, French camp right <laughs> it's now. Crazy. The French immersion camp at BYU. Yeah. Has had a few hours of homework every night and is in absolute heaven. You know, he so loves summer this. break, doing a few hours of homework every night, and yeah. he, you know, he's loving that. Our middle son, Breaken, Breaker, is kind of a love the one you're with as far as sports. You really, know, kind of. He just know, he loves them all, the but whatever the month, one he's playing, right? Whichever one he's playing, he's still 
you know, he's an outdoorsman, wants to hunt and fish and do is all he? those kinds of things. Yeah. And our little one, Raider, is 12, and we're just realizing we think he's a little farm boy. Really? He loves soccer. Soccer's his sport, but he has miniature horses, and he's learning to drive a cart. Is he and really? So he had his first birthday party he where he be was a... paid $20 to take all the little girls on, on rides up and down rides? the streets. How cool is that? Yeah. Is so... he going to be a, Is he going to be a cowboy? Is he going to do rodeo? Is he going to just run a farm? What do you, I mean, what's he well, I would in? haul him all over if he wanted to do rodeo because the, that yeah, was the life that family. I have. That's yeah, right. that's what I grew up doing. But um, I don't know. He really likes these little miniature horses, which is a whole different deal than the, than the big horses. You know, we, we brought this first miniature horse to the barn and Bronco's dad said, well, what am I going to do with that thing? People are going to make fun of me with that thing on the property. But it is like a crowd pleaser. I bet it is. It's like yeah. having a dog. Mm-hmm. You know, they're these little teeny tiny horses. And he and can make money doing it. I there mean, you go. if these yeah. kids can go make money, he just load it up in the truck and go start doing bar mitzvahs and parties. Yeah. Well, Cutter's kind of an entrepreneurial kind of type spirit. And he started the kid. He started having an egg business. He got all the chickens to sell the eggs. You have a farm basically at your house. We're urban farmers. That's what I call ourselves. <laughs> Do the neighbors enjoy the Mendenhall farm? It's like a petting zoo. I don't know. I hope is it doesn't it? stink them out. Yeah. yeah. You know, you I got hope chickens? we're clean and- we do. We have chickens, so the kids make money selling At one point, 50 chickens, not yeah. just like five another, or six. And that would be Cutter. Overachievers. Cutter, you know, yeah, Cutter. Any other animals? You got little horses. We have bunny rabbits. Man. We have dogs. We have chickens. And we have the miniature horse. You need some llamas. So a, a plug for a goat. A, a plug for Cutter's business, lilthumpers.com. Is that L I L Thumpers? Yeah, that's the website. Yeah. He I think he's on the verge of getting out of the bunny business for trying to sell He came in one day and said, Dad, I got a website. And so Holly and I knew nothing about it. He designed it himself. Did so, he really? Yeah. He put up all the pictures. Littlethumpers.com. Yeah. Yeah, and is it to cute. sell stuff? I got to look that up. <laughs> is, it, is, is he trying to sell stuff? Is it his services? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's his – he wanted – he was into uh, Holland Lop uh, minis, mini rabbits or miniature Holland Lops oh, and selling heavens. them and breeding them. And so, yeah. Littlethumpers rabbitry. He, he, thought he, make, he, thought, he <laughs> thought he could make more money selling rabbits than the chicken business. Yeah, yeah. More, profit. So, more profit because, you know, the chickens, you can't always determine if they're going to lay an egg every day. That's so true. And they eat their eggs. <laughs> so chickens true. Eat their eggs, Speaking know? of laying eggs, that's like head football coaching, isn't it? Like you got you, you never know if someone's going to lay an egg today. <laughs> there you go. And the good thing is there's only about, I don't know, 65,000 at least watching. And oh. so there's, there's no pressure. Well, and then just the fan. <laughs> what really surprises me is you're winning. <laughs> And it's, it's, at times it sounds like – Praise the Lord, we're winning. Yeah, but it sounds like you guys are stealing rabbits from little boys. <laughs> <laughs> how do you handle – I guess do you just – how do you handle that, Bronco? Like, I mean, I'd be affected by that, just having people question you all the time. I, I'd like to say it doesn't affect me. Yeah. Uh, I think it would affect anyone. And certainly um, you like – I would like what I do to be respected, admired, and, and for it to be uh, popular. Yeah. Um, what I have learned is, man, with all the unique things and the visibility of not only our program but the way uh, information travels in the church culture, yeah, um, we 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 are the only football team on planet Earth that's owned by the church that plays football. And so, <laughs> when, when you consider that yeah. scope, yeah. so there's only one yeah. that's owned by the church that plays, that's and right. I'm the coach of that team. And so, the commonality to have an opinion on what we're doing and how we're doing it, that's going to happen. Do you yeah. hear about it at church? Do people mess with you like that? So he's uh, not that approachable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you're he, scary. People, yeah, yeah, people are scared to death of him. But Do they, they approach are, you. Yeah, the people they always get the wives. I know I some of your friends uh, in your neighborhood. They, you're like the neighborhood psychologist, pretty much. <laughs> 
Oh, I don't know about that. But you do. You go on walks with your friends and you talk them off the, you know, off the cliff. Oh, well. Head coaches as well and husbands. Do you? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) What's the hardest – uh, what's the hardest thing being the wife of a Division One top whatever head football coach? Oh, I think it's the, just the overall stress of it, you know, and understanding that what really is going on in the program, sometimes not being able to share those Oh, yeah, things. you have stories and secrets, and not secrets, but just but, stuff. But, but most people just don't get it. They don't understand all the work that goes into it, yeah. all the effort that it goes into the details of that. Yeah. But you get it, and you understand, but you can't share that. You can't tell people mm. some of those things. Well, that happened because da 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 da, da. Right, and you there's know? five things that yeah. led to that, yeah. and you'll never know. But, you know, people just want to hear themselves talk, right? Mm -hmm. People aren't good listeners. They just want to talk themselves and hear their own opinions, and they don't really listen to other people. It's all about themselves. We're such a me, me, me society. Which I guess is, in a way, easy for you because if you just stay out of it, people will just keep talking, but they won't get the truth. That's the downside. Well, and they twist everything that you say, so you have to be careful. But people will try and soak me for information. Do they? Oh, sure. Like insider yeah. trading. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. They try. And, and, and they'll if come they... in with a plate of cookies and then, so, how's so, Taysom? Yeah. How's the defensive backs <laughs> yeah. looking? How are they doing today? Yeah. But, you know, I – and if they try and do that with my kids, you know, Mama Bear comes out then. I bet. Oh, so, I bet. Don't mess you know, with yeah. Holly's babies. I think our, we've raised our kids to be pretty good, though. It, we really communicate and try and talk about that. And... It's been really fun. Uh, our kids, there's an age that, that um, they recognize. Um, I never, I'll never forget Raider came in and he said, Dad – well, I was asking about his friends, and I pointed out to one young boy, and he said, no, he just wants to be my friend because of you, Dad. He and then he said, it. those are my real friends. Interesting. And, and so the kids are really perceptive yeah. that way along the way. And Holly does a really nice job educating them of, oh, okay, they're your friend really for you and authentically or what? It's so good. And it's it's really fun to, well, to see her Well, things get a little rough them. in the season. You know, we have yeah. talks and say, okay, things are a little rough. This is what's happening. People might say things to you at school and just remember mm-hmm. – we know your dad is honest and yeah. kind and doing the best that he can. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just – Isn't that weird? It's yeah, just such it's a weird dynamic. It's strange that you have dynamic. to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a game. Sad, but, yeah. Well, the other thing that, that Holly and, and we do a really – we put a lot of effort into is we practice responses for our kids. So they're not – Like role playing. Exactly right. Exactly. So we're, we're not uh, – we don't want them to be fearful when they're at school. We just want them to be prepared. And – so um, if it's a tough loss or something, we actually say, okay, Holly will say, someone says this to you, what do you say? And That's we give great. them armed responses, and then they're empowered when they yeah. go to school. And, again, they know me and they know our family, but they also are prepared with how do they respond. Isn't that – because a lot of parents are just worrying about their kids getting caught up in porn or something else, drugs or something. You guys got to worry about media <laughs> Well, we worry about that stuff too. No, I'm sure you do. And, but, and, yeah. and, but yet I mean, the role playing is a brilliant idea because if they have the answer, then there's nothing to fear. Well, we try to bring humor into it too. I bet. We do. But you know, there's a certain dynamic of that too that the, the kids are only responding and saying what they've heard their parents say. Oh, true. You know, I think there's some kids that don't have any, even have a clue uh. what they're repeating. They've just heard their dad at the TV or whatever, uncles, whatever, yep. saying things. And so then they repeat those things. I'm not sure that they always understand the magnitude of what they're right, actually saying. Right. So some See, of that goes along So there's, too. there's that yep. on one side of it. Again, we're speaking with Holly and Bronco Mendenhall. Bronco is the head coach of BYU football. Holly is the head coach of Bronco. Yep. <laughs> And like that. that's right. And they're the parents of the website Little Thumpers Rabbitry. <laughs> <laughs> Littlethumpers.com if you're into rabbits. It's a great it's it's your son trying to make a dime. Um, but I, I what's cool though is when I tell people I'm interviewing Holly and Bronco Mendenhall, my kids think I'm the coolest guy in the world. So um 
it's it's a weird dilemma, isn't it? Because part of it, you know, you get you get the power to influence people in a way you never would. You also then have to take the brunt of all of this crud. That's right. And we, we don't get to choose. And what's cool about our relationship is so you can't be more introverted by right. nature than I am. And you can't yeah. be more extroverted by nature than Holly. You're and so total it's, opposites. It's, it is. But it, we make a, a really good team. Does and, she pull you out? When you don't – like if I were you, I would never leave my house and I'd get on my Harley with a helmet and I'd drive to football and then I'd stay there and then I'd just lock myself in my whatever. Does she pull you into the – like does she make you go to church meetings that you might not go to or activities, weddings that you don't want to go to? She tries. Does she? Yeah. He's actually more recharged, yeah, by being by himself. Yeah, it's me. You know? And I think that though it's introversion this, by yeah, definition. But I honestly think that this job has made me a little bit more of an introvert. Has it? it might, like you're more. Worried. I'm just more cautious. Uh, yeah, cautious. Yeah, and, I'm and more I'm, aware and more cautious. I think. And I'm forced to be much more extroverted just by the nature of the job. Totally. So when I wake yeah. up, I really have to be on. Yeah. Because I'm BYU's football coach, and the energy that takes, especially for someone that prefers fly fishing or surfing uh-huh. or motorcycle riding or Anything. biking in the backcountry yeah. by myself. Solo activities. Exactly yeah. right. Then it's so the energy that it takes for someone uh, of of my preference, it's that's different. Which tells you, you as an introvert, you can pretty much do anything. Yep. If you can be a head football coach <laughs> as an introvert, yep. you can do anything. And yet it also tells you, ironically, that couples need to kind of help each other through our extreme difference. Well, I think Bronco's taken a lot of heat publicly because he is an introvert and people probably don't understand yeah. that. You know, and so they think he's unapproachable or oh, why doesn't he do this and why doesn't he do that? And really it's just, you know, you come the way you come. That's You're made it. up the way you that's are right. and and the effort that he puts into the the daytime part of his job, you know, that's really kind of goes against his natural grain. Yeah. And so sometimes he's just it, it's hard for me to see him take the heat of that because you know, people just are the way they are. And so he's he has to try extra hard sometimes because it's just not in his natural makeup. You, but he does a great job when he's on. You oh, know? well, and again, I think that's part of the genius is you, you take the whole scoop, right? So you got to scoop the good, the bad, the ugly, the chunky, the smooth. And yet <laughs> I'm not saying anyone's chunky or smooth here. <laughs> but you take the whole scoop, right? And then um, – but, but again, you guys have to go home. You have to almost go home and take care of the wounds. I mean – and deal with the recharge. Oh, and that's a beast. I bet it is. That's a beast. It's and, very, and very we, hard, very and, draining. And we do that differently. I, I think that um, the past, and this will be our 13th season at BYU. Is it 13? Two, oh. two as a coordinator. Yeah, that's right. And that's then right. 10 as the head coach. I, I really believe that's been much more difficult on Holly than it has been on myself because Holly's more accessible. Um, so I do have firewalls, and I can go to work, and I yeah. have all these game planning I- issues, and I have people to help and keep um, some boundaries um, and I'm pretty good at setting those myself. Holly's the one dropping off kids, and here's a parent, a mom, a dad. And yeah. so she hears more of the things from the front line. And so a lot of times I reflect on, on um, is what we're doing and is what I'm doing, is it making a difference? Is it making a difference as using football as a vehicle to, to kind of bring people to the church and yeah. win games and, yeah. and build young men? But uh, really at what expense for my family? And so Holly and I, we, we have a yearly talk. Do you? Like, um, are we going to do this again? Yeah, and where? Sure. Um, really? Yeah. Just for the sake of that's, what's best for our family. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Because this it the is best family it first. Is? And it evolves. That's such a as great As the kids thing. change and, you well, know, true, professionally, but... every, it evolves. It's not something that is set in stone that stays forever that way. Everyone, you know, it's just Would it's you just be amazed if he's like, I'm done? Or does that make sense to you? Like, okay. 
You know, oh, I hear him say that a lot. I'm done. Yeah, I can't but he's been this. saying that since you know we were married, and that ebbs and flows. <laughs> yeah, with what I'm sure the just is. the psyche. Yeah, of it. what's happening. But I think Bronco really loves what he does. He loves being involved with the kids, the young men, all of that. The season is kind of a beast. Oh, I bet it's so, and so long. Sometimes I think if you could take the season out of it, the day to day, the comp, the games, the competition. If you didn't have the the um, expectation to win, yeah, you know, but the, because there's so many other things that go on, there's so many other positive, powerful things that are happening aside from the wins, yeah. But there are so many people that just don't see that they're just a win loss. Yeah, you're really the you only know? one that sees the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, some coaches, I guess, that were more media loving, they'd be out there and just be spewing it every time they got a shot in front of a camera. It, it really is the majority of the college coaches that are driven that way and yeah. prefer that. And so, um, yeah, our family dynamic and is quite different and the place we're coaching is quite different. Uh-huh. And so I, I love to talk about things of substance and I love to be speaking about things of how to integrate um, really uh, character issues and developmental issues with the kids through football. Yeah. Um, really what I'm asked most is about the nuts and bolts of the team and what are the results going to be. Right. Today that's what you'll get all day exactly long, right. nuts and bolts. But I want to know – because as a dad, I have a son coming home from a mission today. Mm. And, um, oh, so cool. Nice. Huge. From so where? Cool. From uh, northern Mexico, Saltillo. No way. Wow. Oh, so, way to go. And he nice. made the right choice, right? So he went, he went on a mission. He made, he made a good, really good choice. What do you do? And I, wanna, I want both of you to answer it. What do you do when you see your kids mm. or your players do something? Bronco, like I just think of your last game. <laughs> And your your players do something that is so – it's just the wrong choice yeah. or whatever. What do you do to handle it, mm. to deal with it, and to correct it and to stay in integrity? Sure. And not, not, not be their decision maker for them. I, I'd love to address that. So the, the first thing is it was kind of uh, like the epic movies you see in slow motion where there's a battle. Uh, well, you and should you see actually the, say the last game there was a fight. So the last oh, yeah. game that's was what, Memphis. That's Memphis. Overtime. Yeah. yeah, so double overtime and, and there, we go to shake hands and, and one of our players is punched. and Game on. And game on. And so what was, was first is, is this happening? <laughs> um, so I was watching it basically in slow motion. But then really my thought went to – I really believe um, that uh, people and players especially play and perform as they're prepared. Yeah. That doesn't mean perfectly. And so I really quickly flipped it around to, okay, I clearly haven't addressed anything like this we haven't in our program. Yeah. yeah, no, really. And yeah. it was the first in my career. And so it immediately became, to, became, man, I feel so bad because I'm the one responsible for teaching. I'm the one responsible for mentoring and preparing. Mm-hmm. I told them in the locker room very quickly – um, how disappointed I was, tied them to what they represent, what the expectations are, and then um, said I'd never been more disappointed um, in in a team that I'd coached in a setting, but also um, alluded to the fact that um, we can do better and yeah. I can do better. And, and you owned your part of it. No and yet I, I, when I saw that whole thing, I never thought of you yeah. at all as but, part of the problem. I, but. I think, though, if you're a parent – if you if yeah. you flip that for a second yeah, say, and, and you look at the kids and and, and the decisions our boys make, um, I think it's natural to say, what could I have done different mm-hmm. to no, give totally. them a better chance? Yeah. And that's where I went and that's where I still remain is how do I best help them if they're ever faced with something like that again? And we have a pretty simple mantra now, and that's protect, defend, and separate, which means if one of our players is in trouble, protect, protect him, them, defend him, and then and separate. get away. Exactly right. That's brilliant. And, and so that simple phrase – came out of something I never had expected. That's huge. And as, as, but it's the same thing as a mom. So when you see your kids do something, you're like, what? 
And I think that's you just have to communicate. You yeah. have to sit them down and look, you know, when you're both, when yeah. they can concentrate and you can and say, look, do you understand what you just did and what the consequences of that action are? And we were all given our free agency. And so you have to make restitution for what you've done, depending whatever that. People Whatever have to is. choose. You have to allow them to Your choose. Your children have to fail in some yeah. areas. You can't protect them from everything. Right. You have to let them make their own choices and have some of those failures because that's the growth. Yeah. Right? That's where the growth occurs is and, in those things. So. Well, and, and again, but you could – I mean it's got to be hard in the middle of the night, Bronco, to get a call and you're like, what? He did what? Oh, yeah. That happened a couple of years when we were in New Mexico. We and had you a just kid thought, our summer. Yeah. What? Yeah. And then, but, but you have to remember they're, they're like not, they're they're young yeah. in their twenties, kids. Yeah, you know they're young adults, but they're just. The, the thing that I emp- I empathize with our players and what I tell their parents um, in the recruiting process, what I call the, really the education process, is one of the things they will uh, inherit as as being a, a pro player in our program is visibility. And so this is not the autonomy of as a bishop dealing with someone yeah. behind the scenes. This isn't. Um, the chance of a parent just counseling in private uh, in your own home. This is news. And so any mistake a young person makes in terms of choice yeah, is there. news. But the, the cool thing, if you think about this just for a second, it's news because it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, you're different. And it's so different. Simply, yeah. simply by acknowledging if there's something written about a BYU player, it's because it rarely happens, and that means it's news. Mm-hmm. And and it usually it's is huge. in relation to this conflicting expectation. Um, but I actually – Frame that to my players. If they're writing about you, that means something is extraordinarily great or poor. But if not, it's not news. Yeah. And so, um, and my players just have the chance to influence through opportunity um, others to learn from their choices. And there's no question when a player of mine makes a great choice or a poor choice, that is conversation around a lot of homes. Oh, I and bet. I bet it's a foundational point for families to be talking to their you sons. Bet. No, you bet. You know what? Now, if you're ever in this situation. Now, this is what happened here, and now if it's reported accurately, then here's what we would like you to do or how can we work through this. That's huge, huge. Um, Holly, what's, uh, give us some dirt on Bronco. Um, again, speaking, <laughs> how long do you have? We're speaking with Holly and Bronco Mendenhall. Uh, Bronco's the head football coach. Holly's the coach of Bronco. Yeah. Yeah. In a well, I can way. tell you this morning he forgot his shirt. He grabbed Cutter's shirt. How'd he went to work? workouts and today's media day, right? Yeah. And so he was walking up and I said, oh, that's a nice striped shirt. And he said, yeah, I had to raid all the coach's lockers. <laughs> I'm wearing so Kelly Papinga's shirt. Yeah, and Kelly probably doesn't even know. He doesn't yet. Ke- yeah. Kelly doesn't know. That's that he's- great. I went to put on – so I, I picked out this really clean starched press shirt. I'm thinking this is going to look fabulous with my suit. Yeah. Just carry it. And you put it in me. your car brought it to yeah, work. Yeah. And so – uh, I, I had a guest come to watch player workouts this morning, and I stayed with him a little bit too long. So I'm running, sh- showering. I grab the shirt. I look at the, I look at the, it in relation to my suit, and it's wait. This is, and I look at the next size. It's fourteen and a half. And I'm like, okay, this is not my shirt. Breakers. And then I'm panicking. Like, what do I do? What do I do? It's so I'm raiding day. coaches' lockers, hoping someone has a collared shirt. And, and they so happen to. I'm wearing. You Kelly look Papingas. great. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I'm like that. Looks yeah, thanks really for the shirt, Kelly. Sponsored yeah. by um, Kelly, Kelly Papinga. Papinga. Yeah. <laughs> that's so classic. Well, that's enough dirt on him. What's uh, What's your favorite thing about Holly Bronco? I mean, the one, oh. the thing that when you think I would be in trouble without this, it's it's really easy. Holly is a nurturer, and so her listening skills and the empathy 
Um, there And what's great uh, about not only our relationship but with my kids is you can tell Holly anything and it's absolutely okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And you have a chance to resolve it. And she's not like just going to react and judge it. That, that's, you can that, There see is no that. judgment. Um, and there's – it's just a safe place to express yourself and sort through things. And we went through a really unique phase – phases of our marriage where at first I didn't tell her anything that was mm-hmm. going on at the office. And then she was bugged yeah. because, she needs wait, something. I'm the last to know. Right. I then switched mistakenly the other way. I'm going to tell her everything. And that was like, oh, hey, too okay, much, this pal. is way too, yeah. way too much. Down. And so we have this kind of in-between now. Um, but there are times where I do go to her and no one else because where else do you go? Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, who yeah. am I going to talk right. to? Yeah. Where I go with some of the most deep and hard and issues I'm wrestling with beyond what anyone can imagine. And, and it's a sense of reason. Uh, it's a voice of reason and it's so an em- cool. empathetic ear. Um, and then she's kind of nurturing me and guiding me through it in a way that – because really who cares for the head coach? Mm-hmm. And and so Holly plays that role. Which is sometimes role. hard because he's let it off his chest and so uh-huh. he's good. Yeah, where do you go? Nowhere. That's right. And so it festers, which is hard. That's why you need That's to walk with friends. And just, yeah. But you can't dump it. No, you can't. Mm-mm. Yeah. You have to learn to really keep – Absurd. Uh, but I think it's so important to keep secrets. If someone trusts you too. with a confidence, yeah. you have to hold that confidence. That's a treasure. If someone gives you that trust, that's it. Then you have to really respect that. So and that's it's, something and it's that's changing really you to probably me. right. I mean, it, oh sure. By having to absorb sure. it, you probably have to deal with it in a different way than just yeah. dumping it on someone else. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a battle. It's got to be. Um, it's got to help you uh, spiritually to have your spiritual values, your beliefs. Because I mean, I guess that's the only other way you can turn. Yes. Is upward. I think having a, a common spiritual, you know, I think that's so important for couples. How does, how does, how does spirituality play a role in the Mendenhall home? Oh, I think it's huge. <clears throat> I mean, I truly want our house to be um, be a, a, a sanctuary, you know, someplace that is a peaceful where you walk in, you just feel something. I And I want it to be clean and, and wholesome, and mm-hmm. I don't want it to be where um, I just don't feel completely safe. Yeah. I feel like it's our armor. You know, It's our only place to block the outside world out yeah. and all the garbage that's out there. I just want to keep it. It's huge. It, keep it, it It's been really way. fun. Just a, a, an example from this past Sunday. Um, and, and Holly really is it, – it's so fun because um, – um, so I need correction at times sure. as well. And Sunday for me is like another work day because of callings and et cetera. And and so I went out on the back porch to unwind, and, and we have a, a, a stereo inside that will play outside. And so I played, I, I flipped to, to um, music that I like. And Holly said, you know, really on Sunday I, I prefer only um, spiritual music. And my boys were there, but the way it was said, it was there was a teachable moment of, wait, Sunday is a special day, and, and we're to keep it that yeah. way. And so Holly was really teaching and emphasizing awesome. all of us that – you know, today is – it's only this type of music. You yeah. didn't say like, you don't know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> Do you not know who I am? <laughs> oh, no. We beat him down all the time. He thinks he's I last. He thinks he's last. That. Yeah. So, that's, yeah. That's cool. She put – but she didn't – she wasn't rude. She just expressed her need. Not only the need but um, really a, a choice that was going to reflect something really positive for our whole family to be recharged and connected and really Holly's habits, um, not necessarily when you look at the typical box of what Sunday looks like in yeah. the LDS culture. Yeah, right. Holly's worship is really private and intimate. And her times, a lot of times it will be, um, if it wasn't on the calendar that she's going to the temple, it's just she's going and she has her own way of ensuring that she's connected. To, to It's more real. It, it is. It's more real and authentic and braving. It's not about anyone else seeing her. 
um, which I love that part yeah. um, because it's so easy in our in our lives to be visible yeah, and totally. to want to be seen uh-huh. or to not want to be seen. And, and she's found a way to navigate this. So when she's culture. telling you to turn – that she likes to listen to this other music, it's not a correction to live a standard. Mm-hmm. It's – so she can check the standard. It's because – it impacts how she communes with her God, yeah, and invites the Spirit. And to she our wants home. you. To well, and I want try our home to be a special place. And on, there's, you know, on Sunday, Sunday is supposed to be the Sabbath. It's like a day of rest. It's yeah. a day of reprieve from all the other junk. And oh, we are so overdone yeah. the rest of the day, totally. you know. And so, but you have to work to make those things happen, you know. And I really just want it to be a day where it's different. It's a different day of the week. It's not like every other day. So cool. So you have mm-hmm. to do different things. And and I too – so talk about that a little bit, Holly. Like it's one thing to just do everything by routine, mm-hmm. which is easy for all of us to get caught up in. The numbers, the data, everything tangible, going to a temple because it's there, doing things because people might see us. But how do you how do you actually create peace? How do you get to finding peace, which isn't always tangible? It's kind of an intangible. It's a sense. How do you do that? I think I have to listen to myself, listen to my gut. It's not about the world. Yeah. You know, my dad was a meditator. Was my he? My dad used to meditate for up 20 in, minutes in the morning. Up in Montana, yep. he'd go meditate. And when he meditated, you didn't bug him. <laughs> you know, I totally remember that. And I just – and my dad was from Detroit but then moved west for Holy hunting and fishing cow. and all that. Yeah. And so, you know, I just think that I find that peace outside, you know, and I, I, I just – I think everyone needs time during the day to shut down. And to turn things off because you have to embrace silence and you have to embrace because I believe you can't feel the spirit or feel guidance if there's so much background noise and junk hammering at you, music, texting, all this stuff. You have to turn it off and enjoy the silence. And sometimes it drives me crazy because the minute he comes home, he wants the music on it. I'm like, oh, geez. Here we go. (laughs) Yeah. It's peaceful. It's quiet. Let's just be. But he's not good at being. So he's – But it's interesting. You're probably training him up. You're teaching him. I'm trying. I'm trying to get him to just decompress and just to enjoy the moment of Uh just, you know, it's okay. I think we are trained to feel like we have to always be going and doing, you know. Action. Again, more tangible doing. And it's it's okay to be and relax and just have some moments of time where you're just meditating, reading, you know. What uh, I bet in the middle of a surf, a good run surfing, you probably are just being. So th- everything that I choose to do, hobby-wise or other interests, it puts me in that place. Yeah. Um, and so every activity, surfing, puts me in exactly that place. Fly fishing puts me in that place. By the way, in both nature, you're both deeply embedded in nature, when and I'm riding, you kind of have to be present, right, in what you're doing. That's right. When I'm riding my mountain bike, it's the same thing. Huh. So I've chosen all those things that put me in the same place. And and to me, music and reading, uh, they both do those. Um, so. We, we're different we really try to communicate with each other, and it doesn't always match. And we're also not a couple that thinks you always have to be together no. doing the same things. That's so good. And that it, in our and culture especially, because yeah, yeah. my parents were the opposite. But uh-huh. Holly's really helped me understand that, and, and I get it. See, you guys, oh, we've only got about a minute. <laughs> it goes so fast with you two. Um, you have the the Holly and Bronco Mendenhall Foundation. Mm-hmm. You're trying to change lives that way. What's the website so people can go check that out? Um, what well, was Holly and Bronco Mendenhall Foundation? It was we've kind of done. It's Thursday a Facebook Heroes. page. Yeah, we've kind of slowed things down a little bit. Have you on that? Yeah, 
It was taking so much time. I realized I needed to be there because you my were kids. you were running that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was probably yeah. yeah, and it'll take over. That can wait. My kids can't. No, that's right. You'll eventually get. To I can go run back to some that, big foundation. I, I can't go back to my. But place. if you go check out the website, uh, look up Holly and Bronco Mendenhall. You'll find it and find out what's going on if anything happens. Um, as we leave, can you each leave us with about uh, 10, 20 seconds of what what do we all need to just remember? What do we need to remember about life, about family, about marriage? To keep everything in, in place. My take on that would be that life is short and you have to capture the moment and don't put things off tomorrow what you need to enjoy today and to take a moment to turn everything off and be in the moment and to really show gratitude and appreciation for what we have. It's beautiful. The grass is not greener on the other side. Everyone doesn't have it. it their life isn't perfect. You know, appreciate what you have and right. really That's show good. gratitude. Just, just simply doing your best is enough. Um, regardless of the result. Do the and, best you can. And that's that's enough. And get over everything else. Yep. Well, you guys are beautiful. Good luck to this season. Thank you, And Matt. Holly, seriously, <laughs> keep him straight, man. It's full time. We can't, More than full time. We can't lose him now. <laughs> you guys are great. Holly Thanks. and Bronco Mendenhall, uh, truly, if you sense it, the spirit. That is the spirit, I think, BYU football wants, regardless of everything else that gets thrown out there. Good, good people. Somebody we could all look up to, both of them. We'll take a break, my friends. Uh, this is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be starting a brand new hour in just a few minutes. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Your guide on the side. Follow Dr. Matt on Twitter at Dr. Matt Show. Call the show at 1-855-CHAT-BYU. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Dr. Matt Townsend. Now on BYU Radio. BYU Radio. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show, hour number two of the show. You know what? I love Bronco and Holly. My favorite interview of the year right there. And I could have kept going. I had so many other things. I wanted to talk talk to him about FIFA, about Deflategate. I wanted to find out uh, from Holly. I don't know. They they have this whole month off. I wanted to find out where they were going. They would tell me. I'm sure they would. They they would tell me. (laughs) And then you would share it with everybody. I totally would. That would would work really well. But you know what's so honestly amazing? He he now has to leave this quiet little sanctuary. We were talking about family and, and marriage where he's passionate and he's passionate about sports, but now he's going to go out there and everything's going to be about numbers right. and data and information. And what you'll see, I bet, is he'll turn into a different guy. He's a different guy. When, when you ask him a question about Holly Mendenhall, he lights up. He totally lights up in a way that I don't think you'll see the rest of the day. Right. Yeah. When he has to go speak to the sports reporters, it's a t- – yeah. And it's a, he been, has to s- flip the switch. You've been one of those sports reporters. Yes. I've interviewed him many times in that realm. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it is different. Yeah. It's different. In it fact, has to be. They, it is. But they always say it's hard to like get him to talk and to open up. Mm-hmm. But like with Holly or without Holly, he'll just he'll, – he's got so many great ideas about his vision and his purpose. I wanted to ask him about his what's – what's his mission? His mission. We know BYU's mission. We know right. BYU football's mission. But what's Bronco Mendenhall's mission? Well, I think it's similar to BYU's mission. It yeah. is to you know change the lives and help these young men grow into no, you totally. know great fathers and things like that. Aside from playing football, so tradition, uh, spirit, honor. Those, I'm, I'm sure those all oozed out of his uh, of his mission and purpose. Um, one of the things too that 
I just love about them is, and we have officially solidified it. Holly is going to become one of our contributors on the show. <laughs> awesome. You scored on that I one. Know. Good and job. She, and she told me last year she'd do it, but I really was afraid that ah, she's just saying that. But she was like, no, I, you emailed me and I emailed you back and we never got. I'm like, what? So we're going to have to fire somebody. See ya. Uh, that's, not, that's not Bronco Mendenhallish. Um, so uh, what we're going to do, though, is we're going to turn it over to Headlines and Kathy Aiken. And then we're going to come back and be talking to our next guest. Paul Zier is going to join us, Dr. Paul Zier. He is um, – what an interesting guy. Do you think you could be a superhero? Is it possible to just go train yourself up like Batman, get in shape, You know, have a body like mine, ripped abs – get a nice car, and then turn into going out and fighting crime and being Batman. Can a human being do that? We'll talk about that. Plus, we're going to try to get some ideas into how you can find the superhero that is in you. That'll be coming up with Dr. Paul Zier. But first, let's go to the headlines with Kathy Aiken. Violent thunderstorms have left hundreds of thousands of East Coast residents without power this morning. The severe weather caused problems with train service and several airports had to cancel flights. The threat of more thunderstorms is set to increase again in the Midwest later today. The debate over the Confederate flag continues on. South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley called for its removal on Monday, less than a week after Dylan Roof confessed to killing nine black churchgoers. GOP presidential contender Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, also said the flag should go. Now it is clearly a symbol of this killer. There is no way to explain this. There's no way to move forward until we take it down. I came to that conclusion shortly after the shooting. Graham did admit the shooting changed his mind about the flag's removal. State senators agreed to debate the issue later this summer. Several of the nation's top retailers are pulling Confederate flag merchandise from their shelves. Stores like Target, Sears and Amazon joined Walmart. They made the announcement yesterday. Meanwhile, the body of slain pastor and state senator Clemenda Pinckney will lie in state today at South Carolina's capital. Louisiana Governor Bobby Jindal is expected to join 12 others by jumping into the 2016 GOP presidential race today. Jindal was first elected in 2007 and then re-elected four years later. Jindal's announcement will take place at a rally outside New Orleans. The formal sentencing for convicted Boston bomber Johar Sarnayev has begun in Boston this morning. Sarnayev will be sentenced to death since that was the jury's verdict. Several of the victims have the chance to address the convicted killer this morning before he's taken away to death row at a federal prison. No word on if Sarnayev will speak in court. After a 10-hour hearing yesterday with NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, Tom Brady now awaits his fate. The New England Patriots quarterback appealed his four-game suspension yesterday, a penalty handed out by the NFL after footballs were deflated in the AFC Championship game against the Colts earlier this year. Brady has said he had no knowledge of the situation. The Patriots were also fined $1 million and docked two draft picks. No word on when Goodell will announce his decision on the case. If Brady's suspension isn't overturned, the battle could end up in court. And this is going to be really hmm. interesting because he has come out and said, I'm not a cheater. I'm not you know, a cheater. But he won't hand over his phone, which I can see the privacy sure, side, side sure. of that. But if he if he's innocent, I just say, look, yeah, I, had no, I knew nothing about it. But whether he didn't the other guy... Hand over his phone? The two, there's two. So we guys already have text messages guys. from a phone number, and if the phone number is Brady's. I haven't heard that they they, they know that specifically because okay. you would think if they yeah. did that would I that mean would, that would be, be it right there breaker. so yeah but many have said said if he's innocent if he gets suspended and he is innocent and he thinks he's innocent and takes it to court he better be innocent or you know it could look bad yeah well and that's the problem with this is that the more you dig in if so if you're lying and digging in yep. 
you're in trouble. Yes. You may as well just own it. Yeah. yeah. I heard an interesting debate if, if say, it's uh, you know down to one game, what would you do if you're innocent? And some guy says, I'd go you know clear to court. I want to clear my name. And the other one said, you know what? Just move on. Say, hey, okay. I He's didn't know Tom anything Brady. about it. You just say, Give yeah. Give me a game. Yeah. My bad. Or I would just say, I'm not going to admit to anything. And yet the reality is, say what you want. Yeah, I'll take exactly. whatever you need. Yeah, it'll be interesting. We may never know. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Well, he's such a popular figure mm-hmm. in sports that well, then, you know, and his you reputation could, is on, on and the And you line. contrast that to the discussion we just had with Bronco and Holly. That's part of the dilemma is there's such – this is a story that – I mean, it's not like this won them a Super Bowl. Right. And it didn't even win them that game. Well, they actually played better in the uh, in the second half with the footballs when they were blown up Normal to the size, yeah, what, right. 12.5 PSI. Yeah, so they actually played better, but – Still, just you know that the thought yeah. that there was cheating—that's it, it. Just doesn't sit well with a lot of people. And again, because your kids are watching this, right. and and my kids—I mean, it did. It caused a conversation. It started this conversation about cheating. Is right. is that cheating? Mm-hmm. Does it really matter? And but it almost doesn't matter too, because if you're going to call him a cheater, you're going to call him a cheater. But the people calling him a cheater don't like him anyway. Right. That's what's hard about the press. Is well, that, when you talked yesterday about FIFA, yeah, and, uh, and corruption with FIFA. Uh, you know, I think there's cheating everywhere. It's just if you get caught. Mm-hmm. Well, which is very unfortunate. And isn't that interesting? The comment the guy made yesterday is that's cheating to win, which is actually different than cheating to lose. He actually differentiated it from cheating to try to win a game mm-hmm. uh, is different, this, this professor did, than, than actually throwing, throwing games game. in right. order to just you know, pay off the mafia. Right. Well, that was the thing we talked about with Pete Rose yesterday yeah. is he says he bet on games. There was no proof that he bet against his team. You bet against your team. That's a different. That's bad. Well, yeah. And you lose, especially. That's yeah. Bad. You bet again. You bet on any game you're playing in. Right. When you're a pivotal player. And that's a big deal. Right. I mean, you much could, worse if you bet that you're going managing. To lose. Right. Right. Yeah. Either way. Not good. Yeah, so you actually think Pete Rose, he's done. He's oh, not going to have a shot now. Oh, if it comes out that he bets uh, as a player, yeah, he'll be done. I mean, it seemed like he was pretty close with the new commissioner that he might yeah, be yeah. reinstated. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking, there we go. Now, if this comes out, and it is true, uh, according to the report from ESPN, yeah, no shot, no shot. Holy cow. Well, this is why we need superheroes. And maybe they're, not our, maybe they're not our sports and our athletes. Maybe they shouldn't be the hero. We're going to be speaking today with Dr. Paul Zier who is uh, he's a professor that of, of kinesiology, which, I, you know, the study of body movement and your body and your body's ability to do things. But he, he, he's been fascinated with, with superheroes. Like, who isn't? Like, Ben here always wears, like, his superhero pajamas every time he comes. And he looks great. But um, if – do you believe somebody could get in enough physical shape – and mental acuity and sharpness that they could basically do what Batman did. Not like just being born with a super trait or like having a spider bite them. But they actually just use their own physical abilities, their own intellect, their own resources, their own cars and and become a superhero. Do you believe that's possible? And inside of each of us, isn't there really a superhero just waiting to be discovered. We'll be talking with Dr. Paul Zier about becoming Batman after this break. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. 
You know, in the last 15 years, superhero movies have overtaken the box office with titles like Avengers, right? Captain America, Iron Man. With thousands lining up to see all of these uh, favorite superheroes, it's no secret in our society is obsessed with these vigilantes. But what if we didn't have to go to the movies to witness the world-saving actions that they portray? What if we could actually have our very own superhero? Of course, he wouldn't come from a far-off alien planet or, you know, be bitten by a radioactive bug. But what if we could just have our own Batman? Our guest today, Dr. Paul Zare, has researched the possibility and the elements necessary to becoming Batman. Dr. Zare is a professor of kinesiology and neuroscience at the University of Victoria in British Columbia, uh, Canada. He's also the professor and director for the Center for Biomedical Research. Dr. Zare, welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on. Now, so you, you're a kinesiologist. Explain what that is. Yeah, kinesiology is just a uh, term that describes really the scientific study of human movement. And um, so my training was initially very interested in studying human movement because I got into martial arts as a kid and was really interested in that. And from there, I got interested in the nervous system and neuroscience about, you know, what's really going on in our brains to control all those movements we can do when we train. Wow. And were, were, you, were you also a fan of superheroes? Yeah. I mean, some of the first things I remember reading um, were comic books. My, uh, my mom was... Uh, Grew up, you know, back in the 40s, and so she read all the original uh, superhero stuff when it all came out, and she was a big fan of that, and she would always buy me comic books when she went grocery shopping and really stimulated a lot of further reading just from comics. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really interesting idea, I think, because, you know, you, you've, you've written the book Becoming Batman, the possibility of a superhero from 2008, and then Inventing Iron Man, the possibility of a human machine but as an expert, as a, somebody that's studying the body and the movement of the body, is, are we capable of becoming, you know, an average Batman, becoming super strong, a superhero? Well, I think the, there's, the, as with anything, right, there's long and short answers. The, yeah. the, the short answer is that we can't literally become these things, but yet they serve as great metaphors for things we can become or we can achieve. Mm. Um, so uh, one of the things that's really enticing about those two characters and why I chose them uh, to study and, and write about to sort of popularize science around that was they're both pitched as humans. Yeah. Right? You've got Batman as Bruce Wayne and you've got Tony Stark as Iron Man and the whole angle on them that makes them accessible is, hey, uh, this guy's a guy and he did all this stuff and maybe I could do that too, right? Right. And, and I mean, that, that's it. They're humans with just, I guess... Um an extra gift or an extra strength, they're, but yeah. they're relatively us. Well, that's the thing. And, and one of the things when I, was, when I wrote the Batman book, I, I really sort of looked at it and said, hey, has anybody ever actually, you know, not to, to debunk it necessarily, but has anybody actually looked at what Batman's supposed to represent and tried to say how much of that is actually feasible? Like, is any of it possible yeah. or none of it or all of it? Um, probably not all of it, or we'd have a lot of Batman and Batwomen running around. Um, <laughs> But uh, so I looked at it and said, well, what would it really take to become that? And so I, I tried to look at Batman and say, well, what is Batman anyways? And, you know, he's a martial artist. He's an emergency services provider. And he's working late. He's driving. He's an NASCAR driver, partly. He's got all these different skills and abilities. And then I set out to say, well, since there's no real science on the physiology of Batman, what is there that's similar? What are the characteristics of Batman? And tried to go through and think about um, what could really be achieved through what we know about training and the response of the body 
if you wanted to get to that level. What, what, what did you come up with? Well, I came up with a couple things that aren't going to be surprising. I mean, one is that you'd have to have a pretty unique set of circumstances. So you've got to have somebody who um, already has, at the current times anyways, uh, has the genetic predisposition for a lot of these things. Because just like with, if you imagine, Olympic athletes and high-level performance, mm-hmm. they have a certain set of, of genes that are, are the best combination for whatever they're doing. Then, and when they train, they get to the top of everything you could do, and other people aren't going to because they don't have that. Yeah, right. So you do have to have the genetic predisposition. You have to have the desire and the will to push yourself because one of the things about any of these any bits of achievement is you have to have the will. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a famous quote by Muhammad Ali that you got to have the skill, the will to defeat the skill. You got to be able to go and push yourself. So that's actually not uh, trivial. Uh-uh. You got to have lots of money because you're gonna, if you're gonna want to do all kinds of training and find teachers and develop equipment and all this kind of stuff, that's your full-time job. So you need to have money to do all that stuff. And you also have to be able to have access to doing all those things. You have to be able to try and put it all together in a training program. You're going to need guidance from teachers or people who can help you do all this stuff because you can't really just do it all on your own. Right. You need leaders. Um, yeah. Yeah. But if you wrapped it all up and if you had somebody who had all these certain characteristics, um, you would be able to achieve parts of the mythologies of these superheroes. So one of the things that, um, you know, on some some interviews, people go, oh, well, you've taken away the magic of Batman for something. <laughs> I said, well, you, you know, that's not how I look at it. Yeah. Because if I say you can't literally become Batman, but you can become parts of it. And I think that's critical. Because what do you see when we see superheroes? We see people with extreme performance doing good things. Right. And if you now say, well, you know what? Parts of what they're doing, you can do in your own life. You can get better at, at something. You can help other people. You can, uh, not by being a vigilante, by the way, asterisk, I don't support vigilantes. Right. That's all we, that's all we <laughs> need right now. Other huh? People like, you know, help somebody cross the street, <laughs> pick up something, do that kind of stuff, teach somebody something. Um, but push yourself. One of the big things about those, those two characters that were the focus, uh, folks, uh, that were focused on in my first two books, where they drove themselves. They pushed themselves, no matter what, that they were super smart and, you know, they could do all these things and they had genetic predispositions and they had money they had to work really 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 hard and when they worked really 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 hard they achieved some pretty fantastic things and even if you're not going to transform yourself literally into batman batwoman or iron man you can still do a whole lot more than you thought you could and when people can realize hey i can do more than i thought i could you've already raised the the limit on what you're able to do in your own real life. You bet. It's almost, it's almost again, we're talking with Dr. Paul Zare, um, author of uh, the book um, uh, Becoming Batman, The Possibility of a Superhero, and Inventing Iron Man, The Possibility of a Human Machine. But I, I, what I like about it is that there already are superheroes that are just in everyday life. There are, you know, there are just certain, you know, uh, police officers that are really incredibly attuned and and get how to investigate a scene or of an accident or a crime or i mean or it might be um, a teacher that is just really intuitive and sensitive enough to know how to educate all different types of of people but that's kind of your 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 goal here right is to teach us that the superhero we we may not need the vigilante you know with the ripped six pack driving a fast car to go save everybody what we may just need is a bunch of people being really good at what they do. Yeah, and trying to actually improve the world in doing it. Yeah, and be, yeah, exactly. Lift the, elevate yeah. the world. 
if you actually have people literally doing what we just said, you actually don't have as much crime and don't have as many problems, uh, so you don't need the vigilanteism in the first place. That's right. That's right. Um, but it's a great point you make there. And the, the, My most recent book came out last year, which was called Project Superhero, and I, what I did there was I took the themes that were in those two books that I wrote earlier, and I, I transformed it into a, a book for, for kids, hmm. 10 to 15-year-old uh, Girls were the, uh, was the main focus. Um, but the reason it resonates and wanted to bring it up is that um, one of the things that this, it's a fictional, non-fictional hybrid book. So I've got this fictional character who is learning about heroes and her place in the world and so on. And she writes to real people, like you just talked about. I had her write to a sergeant who was on at Ground Zero at 9-11 to wow. talk about heroism. So she learns from him that real heroes run towards danger, not away from it. Um, I had her write to Olympic athletes to talk about the things they did. So, so that one of the things that's important as a bigger kind of application to our real lives and our real societies we live in nowadays is how can you improve yourself so that you can improve the place you live? Oh, I love that. I love that. I mean, that's really the, the purpose of this show as well. Let's take a break. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Paul Zare. I want to come back, Paul, and have you tell us more about this Project Superhero because it is a concept, I think, that applies to all of us. I think that's why we're also so attracted to these people with superpowers. I also have a firm belief that every human being on Earth has a gift, has, has something that they can be offering us. And I think uh, just your willingness to go into this this focus, this look at superheroes, is, is a very powerful thing. We'll be back more with Dr. Paul Zare and the Superhero Project right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, such an interesting idea, um, these superheroes. We all have our favorites, you know, whether you've been bitten by a radioactive spider or, you know, you're just Batman living in a huge mansion with endless resources. There's something so attractive about a superhero, the ability to be higher, reach higher, help more people. In life, I think it's a hidden goal or a hidden desire of each of us. Uh, I also think it's a metaphor for life. And we found um, a wonderful uh, professor and, and uh, researcher that uh, that's, that's trying to flush that idea out a little bit more. Dr. Paul Zare is joining us, and he's a professor of kinesiology and neuroscience at the University of Victoria in British Columbia. He's also the professor and director for the Center of Bio, for Biomedical Research and the author of a bunch of books. Uh, one book is Becoming Batman, The Possibility of a Superhero. Another one was Inventing Iron Man, The Possibility of a Human Machine. And another book that was released, I think, a few years ago, actually, yeah, uh, in 2014, Project Superhero, which is for teenagers and it just basically shows, uh, you know, a 13-year-old girl and her, her goal, her project to become a superhero. Again, Dr. Paul Zare, welcome back to the show. Okay, thanks for having me on again. You bet. It's so fun, um, I think... I mean, if you're a 13 year old kid and you could go get a book about you know creating your own superhero and 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 even identifying your gift that you could bring to the world, powerful powerful idea. Talk us talk to us about this project superhero book. 
Well, the the book itself started off as kind of a, a passion project of mine. You know, I've got uh, young daughters, and um, I was kind of looking for, you know, something that's related to inspiring them and, or, or girls like them in particular, but any sort of teenagers, you know, that kind of very influential age is when they're, you know, 10 to 15 years of uh, years old. And I wanted to also get some science out there because I think our society needs more and more science just to understand what's going on in sure. our world to help us, you know, make good choices. And that's a big part of why I do this kind of book writing. And um, I wanted to take the themes that were in my Iron Man book and the Batman book and, and get it to that age group. But I had to figure out a way to transform it from just a nonfiction book, which those other ones were. So mm-hmm. I, I used the sort of very popular diary style uh, book and created some fictional characters where a girl, um, Jessie, my lead character, sort of explores through a whole school year this idea of what superheroes are and what they're about and what they can do and what does it really mean to become something like that through um, some class projects that the kids have to do. They have to do, they have a superhero debate and a bunch of things that go on at school and she learns about all these things. But one of the things that um, comes out of the story I was trying to get across and actually was part of my own journey when writing this book was to learn about, you know, the place of, of kids in our society today and what they see and what they can uh, what limits they get put on themselves, what things they find as barriers, and how they can overcome those by just trying to follow their dreams and aspirations. That's such a it's such a needed thing. Like we always hear of our athletes that say, you know, I'm not a hero, I'm not a, you know, don't make me a role model. But the reality I know with my kids uh, that are young, they they look to these athletes as heroes. They look to uh, real, you know, the superheroes in the movies as heroes. But they also look to certain stories in the media about police officers and Olympians. Um, that So in a way, a hero is could be interpreted anyway. And, um, and I know in the book, one of the one of the ultimate goals is that eventually this Jesse, the 13 year old uh, uh, girl, be comes understands that she's got the capacity to become a hero yeah she the 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 main point i think again comes back to what we were talking about earlier that um it's not really about literally being a superhero right right? it's just like people who um you use that as a metaphor or as kind of a, a an objective to think about wow doing as much as i can and what can i do to improve myself to take my skills or my abilities or whatever i'm good at or could be good at or can help people with and try and take that as far as possible to improve things and when you use that as a metaphor that's one of the things that sort of jesse discovers that um, because she goes out and does things she tries to she thinks that maybe because she always liked batman but um, she wants to be batwoman or batgirl or, or you know a female character mm-hmm. obviously and she goes out and tries to do even some of the stuff that she thinks she'd probably have to do. So she, she's got an aunt who's a martial artist who teaches her martial arts. So she learns a skill, and she learns all the challenges that go with that. And she, she realizes she's not going to become that girl. Yeah. But she also realizes she can do a whole lot more than she thought she could. And as soon as she realizes that, it's kind of got that sort of a light bulb moment where you realize there's so many things you can do mm-hmm. if you get... Uh, yourself organized and have the will to act and to try those things. I I love the idea too. Um, it, it's this idea that it's almost like we we're not used to, or our children aren't used to. I, I think it's all of us today. We're not used to doing the hard thing anymore. And when you were talking earlier about becoming a superhero, you know you're going to have the genetic predisposition if you're fortunate enough. 
But you also have to have the desire and the will. You have to have the resource. But you're going to have to work and work and work. And it seems like if anybody would just put the effort in and work in where they kind of have natural gifts or strengths and abilities and even where they don't, it seems like you could unleash this, this like, you're, like you're saying, this, this um, awareness that, man, I could do anything. That's a really great point, the, the thing about the work. One of the things that's kind of interesting, it, it's interesting kind of as an insight into how people think, I believe, but also, and in some ways, it's a bit disappointing for some things. When yeah. I go and I've done lots and lots of public talks and stuff around these themes since my books came out, and um, I do a talk that's called, you know, is there a superhero in you? And I kind of use the, all the things we've been talking about and say, okay, this is what's, what you could do, and da, da, da. But I start off by saying something like, how many people here would like to be Batman or Batwoman, right? And you, mm-hmm. Out of the whole crowd, you normally get about, I don't know, 80% of people put their hands up. Because, yeah, it's attractive, like we were just talking about. But then I go through and talk about all the work that's involved, all the things right. you need to do. Because I say, I'm not talking about being that thing. I'm talking about becoming it. And becoming it has work associated with it. It's a process. And we go through and explain all the things that would be needed. And, you know, I, I lay out a timeline that all the things we talked about earlier, genetics, money, training access, the will to do all these things, even if you had all that, to get to that Batman level is like a 15 to 18-year project. Yeah. Then, then it's like, like eh. go through all this. Right. Yeah. And, and then at the end of it, yeah, you do the question at the end. Now that we've talked about this, how many people still want to do that? It's and so of course. True. Not very many people want to do it anymore, right? Yeah. Because you've, you've gotten to the point where it's like, I like the idea of magical intervention where you could wave a wand at me and make me a superhero. Yeah. But when you think about the process of actually having to do all the sweat and all the determined work, unfortunately, um, you know, that's an extreme example, but our society is more about, can I just buy something? Can, <laughs> can I just go to the store and get the thing? Can a spider just bite me? Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, isn't that funny? Like, like I, I remember watching that as a kid, thinking, "Wow." I mean, that would be horrible to be bit, bitten by a spider like that. But I mean, I get okay. I guess it'd be worth all the pain if I could instantly become a superhero. Exactly. But, but right. then, don't you have people? You're you're a professor. You're you're a doctor for heaven's sakes. Don't you have like students come up and just say, "Man, I really, I kind of want to do what you're doing, Paul. I really want to be." I want to be a professor. I want to be able to have the freedom to write. And, and, and you like, okay, this is what it takes. And the minute you've explained what it takes just to be a professor, have you ever noticed their eyes sometimes glaze over and they're like, ugh. Yeah, well, yeah, because it is a lot of work to yeah. do different things, right? But I think on the good side, on the good side of that, because there are a lot of people that you, you wind up kind of incidentally inspiring by yeah. even doing some of the stuff I do. No, exactly. You know, I get lots of letters from people or people come up and tell me about, you know, once you did that, I realized I could do that too or I could do. And so, you know, there's enough light bulbs that go on, I think, that make this part of my own kind of mission uh, uh, in my life to try and keep doing this kind of communication thing, trying to talk about how we can look for inspiration in different places, um, because there are enough people. I wish there were more, and I yeah. think if we had more, we'd have a better society, but whatever. Um, let's work with what we've got. And that really do get the message and do think about, hey, okay, so I think superheroes are cool, and now I understand better why maybe I think they're cool, and it's entertainment on one side for movies like we started with, but 
Uh, there's also messages here for me to try and think about what can I really do? Hmm. How can I do it the best I possibly can? What advice do you have uh, for us maybe as parents or just you know anybody that's listening that really wants to see if there's a superhero in themselves? What are some things we could do to kind of identify our gifts or our superhero inside us and maximize it? Yeah, well, I think I think first of all, support our kids, right? Like when they, even if they want to do things that we don't think we want, we would do, or I think that's something I see as a parent a lot of times is, is other parents kind of identifying already for their children yeah. what would be the thing that they did when they were a kid, mm-hmm. and maybe that's fine. Maybe, but let them explore the things they want to do. And one of the things that we've been talking about is enhancing the things you're good at. But I want to flip that around, and that is. Let people explore how to get better at the things they're not good at. Yeah. Um, because that's where you do all your real learning, right? When you learn about how hard that is, how difficult it is, because no matter what you're not that good at, if the kid likes it, there's a lot of kids and a lot of adults who are terrible at playing guitar but love to play guitar. Yeah. So let them play guitar. Who cares if they're going to be? They're not going to be um, Tony Iommi for Black Sabbath or something. <laughs> who knows what they're going to be? But let them do their thing. Yeah. And by, by actually picking up your weaknesses, you actually make your strengths even stronger. I love it. I, I really do. And I so, I so appreciate the work you're doing. Again, Dr. Paul Zare, I, I wish we had so much more time. Everybody, go out and look up the book, though. If you have children, go look up Project Superhero. And just start the discussion with your kids. Start helping them identify their strengths. Find out where they're passionate and start pushing towards that passion. And uh, also go 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 to www.zare.ca. Uh, Zare is spelled Z-E-H-R. And you can get more information about all of his books and Dr. Uh, Paul Zare's ideas. Wonderful stuff, folks. Remember, the superhero is in you. It truly is. But you got to want it, and you got to go make it happen. We'll take a break, come back, continue uh, continue the discussion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. You're listening to us right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, friends. To the Matt Townsend Show. Great uh, little interview there with Dr. Paul Zare. Um, really, inside of each of us, there is a hero uh, hiding away, and you don't need a radioactive sp- a spider to ignite it. Do you know where you, what your contributions are? Do you have a pretty good insight as to what uh, you bring to this world? I wanted to take a minute and do the coach's corner and see if we couldn't give you some tools to figure out you know, what you bring to the equation. One of the great ways I found to identify mission and purpose, and, and we heard it earlier with Bronco Mendenhall, he knows what his mission is. He is very clear about what matters most to him. Now, whether you agree with his values or his principles or whatever aside, there's something powerful about a human being that knows what they want. And especially when they know what they want in a principle-centered way. So if I had a microphone, stuck it in front of your face, and just asked you, what, what is your mission? What is your purpose? Would you have an answer? Would you pretty clearly know how you would prioritize your life, your family, and uh, your priorities? Because if you don't know, then how do you know how to handle every day? If you don't know, how do you know what to say yes to and what to say no to? 
somewhere you have to know how to prioritize and apparently you got to know based on your you know your bigger purpose your bigger goals if you don't know what you're about then it doesn't matter really what you do every day does it that's the old uh that's the old you know Alice in Wonderland's walking down the path gets to the fork in the road asks the Cheshire cat that's sitting there hey which uh which path should i take and the cat says, well, where are you going? And she says, I don't know where I'm going. And the cat says, then it doesn't matter which path you take. If you don't know what your values and your principles are and what matters most to you, then it probably just doesn't matter. So what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? Okay. Or let's say it's your 90th birthday. You made it to 90. You know, No one thought you would the way you've been living. You made it to 90, and on your 90th birthday, you, uh, your family comes and picks you up. They put you in a limousine. You're like, what the heck? They drive you to the nicest hotel in town. You just think you're going to dinner. You just think, oh, I guess my kids are going to pay for dinner. And the last minute, they pull you into a grand ballroom, and the place is packed with people from your life, okay? Now, you're 90 years old, so you have a lot of people from your life. And let's just say those people... Uh, you know, even people that have died, moved on, everyone you want in the room that has that matters to you right now is in this room. Friends, neighbors, family, uh, you know, your kids, your grandkids, their friends, their family, everybody whose life you've impacted. They're all in this room. And you walk up and you just can't believe it. You're looking at all of their faces. You see how powerful this is. You're being moved. You're moved emotionally. You just feel so grateful, so blessed for your life. And they walk you through the crowd. And when you get to the front of the room, there's a table. And sitting at the front of the room are seven people, okay? One person from every different part of your life. So your coworkers are there. And you have one coworker that's up at the front table. You have, uh, you know, your neighbors are there. You have a neighbor at the front table. You have a friend there at the front table. You have one of your children is at the front table. You have your, one of your grandchildren's at the front table. Everybody that matters to you, all the different roles you've played, you have seven, basically seven people up front. And when you sit down at the, you know, the seat of honor, the MC says, we are now going to have a chance to hear from seven people uh, representing all of the different parts of your life. Now, what I want you to think about is what do you want these seven people to say about you? And this is an activity. I would go home or go back to work, pull out your computer and start to answer this. What do you want these people to say about you after you've magnified your life? You've been the best you can be. Don't tell me what they'd say to die today if you died. Right. What do you want them to say? What do you want your mom or dad to say about you? What do you want your brothers and sisters to say about you? What do you want your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers? And then I want you to write down exactly what you want them to say and just brainstorm it and let it just flow, right? Just let it flow out. And if you let it flow out, write each one of them. What do you want your mom to say, your friends to say, your kids to say, and let them just speak exactly what you want them to say. And then what you'll do is you'll get into a stream of consciousness and you get all of these ideas out, write as much as you want, as much as you can. You may even find out you're repeating yourself. 
every single line you, you might repeat as a husband you're someone who gives as a as a as a friend you're somebody that gives as somebody that were as an employee you're somebody that gives and i want you to then take all of these different roles that you play and the speakers and what they said about you and i want you to look for themes and trends are there certain things that you said regularly are you someone that serves are you somebody that gives are you somebody that uses humor positively are you somebody that lifts others And I want you to identify, because out of all of these wonderful ideas about what you want people to say, you're going to come up with the principles that you can lead your life by. And this is what Emerson said. uh, No, it was Thoreau that said, he went to the woods because he wished to live deliberately, to confront the essential facts of life and see what life had to teach, and not, when he come to die, discover that he had not lived. Thoreau wanted to know what his essential facts were. Now, of all of the things that are important to your life, the essential facts, those are the facts that are the, you know, the, the, the principles that you kept saying as, as um, a key part of who you are with each of these roles you're playing. Whatever you kept repeating and repeating and repeating is apparently an essential fact of who you are. So your job now isn't to do everything. You don't need to, to do everything on earth. You just need to do what you need to do, which is those essential things. Make sense? Pretty basic idea, isn't it? It truly is a pretty basic idea. But now you'll have it. And then I would write those things down. So I am a person that lifts others. I am a person that serves. I am a person, and I'd write those down, and then I might even have a definition for each one of them. Then when somebody comes and puts um, a microphone in your face, you can just sit there and say, and they ask you, what, what's the purpose of your life? Um, what's the purpose of your life? Then you can just say, okay, it's pretty simple. My purpose is seven things. And just t- write, tell what your, your, key per, your key principles are. Does that make sense? The quote uh, that I love says, it's easy to say no when you have a deeper yes burning inside. Well, most of us have never spent the time to dig down and find out what that deeper yes is. So I don't need you to go be a superhero, and I don't need you to be a football coach like Bronco Mendenhall, but I do need you to go figure out what your principles and your values are. We've already got Bronco. We've already got Batman. So what are you going to bring to the game? What are you going to bring to your kids, to your family, to your neighbors? What are you going to bring that if you don't bring these principles, these ideas to this world, then, then we're out. We're all out. And it doesn't have to be a big movement, and it doesn't have to make millions of dollars, and it doesn't have to be anything like that. Really, if you notice each of those principles, hard work, integrity, those things, those don't have to be big, big things. Those can just be very, very basic little things. Makes sense. So there's the coach's corner. Go figure out what your principles and your values are. Now, you know, we always like to end the show talking about a hero. One of the goals of this program and BYU Broadcasting in general is to help you see the good in the world. Too much of our news just sits there and tells us how bad everyone is and how messed up things are. So here's our local story of a hero. A local skateboarder detains a hit-and-run driver. He's our hero of the day. After watching a driver cause mayhem and then hit a 13-year-old girl, one local citizen takes matters into his own hands. Joshua Lambus watched as an SUV drove erratically, 
causing mayhem and coming close to hitting many locals of Kailua, Kona, Hawaii. Lambus was worried for the safety of others, so he quickly grabbed his skateboard and began following the SUV. He said, I just wanted to stop these people from hurting others. Uh, Lambus told reporters when he was asked why he chased down the reckless driver. Lambus caught up to the SUV just in time to witness the car hit a 13-year-old girl and attempt to keep, keep driving. He then rode the skateboard up to the door of the vehicle, opened it, and engaged the emergency brake and uh, slowed down the driver until the police arrived on the scene. He actually held the driver down. Lambus said he even yelled at the man a little the driver is now in custody, and police say that the 13-year-old girl is doing well. Pretty cool stuff, huh, folks? That's it. Hero of the day. We are going to—we're uh, out of here, my friends. Uh, BYU Broadcasting is going to continue uh, today's media day for BYU football with State of the Program. That'll run from 11 to noon Eastern time, and then you'll be going to uh, Sports Nation from noon to 2 Eastern time. Thanks for joining us, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Back tomorrow. More ideas, more tools to help you find the good in the world. Have a good one.